The information presented on this program is provided for informational purposes only, without warranty of accuracy, completeness, or suitability for a particular purpose. This program is not intended to be and does not constitute financial, investment, legal, or tax advice. This information is general in nature, not specific enough to be construed as advice. You should not make any decision based on the information presented on this program without independent consultation with an appropriately licensed professional or competent advisor. Investment in securities or the market involves a potential risk for loss of principal. Trading, therefore, may not be suitable for all listeners. Annuity guarantees are based solely on the financial strength and claims paying ability of the issuing company. Withdrawals of growth from annuities may be taxable as ordinary income in the year it is taken. Individuals should review contracts for specific details of the product's features and costs. For millions of Americans who retire every year, the task of ensuring that your money is working hard enough to provide you with a consistent paycheck can make the job of working for that paycheck seem easy. Retirement doesn't signal the end of financial worry. In fact, for the majority of retirees, it's just the beginning. The assets you have built must be able to provide you and your family with financial security for all the years to come. That's why you need a game plan for retirement, making sure you have a plan and that your money is working hard to provide you with an income you can depend on. This is your game plan for retirement. And welcome into your game plan for retirement, the show that challenges some of the traditional financial planning concepts and what we are finding to be outdated conventional wisdom on what it takes to build for and achieve financial and retirement success. We talk about models that are proving to provide for greater opportunities for financial freedom. And to do so, we always check in with our resource here on the program, for a common sense approach to planning for our financial futures. He is Brian Quaranta, president and founder of Secure Money Advisors and Pittsburgh, all surrounding communities. He's your local resource for this type of information. Brian, welcome back into your game plan for retirement. Great to be with you as always. I enjoy the time that we get to spend together, Brian, talking about finances and financial planning and what we need to be doing to build for and achieve financial success. And I do want to remind the listeners as we begin the program that you not only make your time available to us here on the program, but also that if they have personal financial questions or concerns, that you'll actually spend the time to speak with them and help them address those questions or concerns, or if they would just like more information on anything that you hear on the program today, you are welcome to give a call and talk with Brian personally, individually, confidentially, and on a complimentary basis. 800-963-0131, the number to call. That's 800-963-0131. And Brian, as we have discussed many times here on the program, there are a lot of financial questions that unfortunately go unaddressed many times. Today's topic on the program, we are going to be addressing addressing some of the big questions. Now, we all have questions. While it's been said that there's no such thing as a silly question or a stupid question, Brian, you believe that that might be incorrect because the most silly question is the one that you have that you do not ask. That's right. I mean, there's no dumb question when it comes to retirement planning. I mean, you know, everybody's got uh, their concerns and, and it needs to be addressed and people shouldn't be embarrassed if it's a simple question because some of the simple questions are the most important questions that need to be answered when it comes to building out a good retirement plan. Well, we've got a very special guest that we are expecting to join us a little bit later in the program that is going to be answering and addressing some of the the real big questions about our economy and maybe what people can do personally to overcome some of the challenges in our economy. Former Comptroller General of the United States of America, Mr. David M. Walker, is going to be joining us a little later. He basically was the head accountability officer for the United States, the person that wrote the checks for the government. So he's got some inside insight in to what kind of economic and financial challenges we're facing. He actually resigned that position because Washington wasn't doing anything or enough to address some of these economic challenges. So he'll be discussing some of those and we will be discussing some of the big questions and the strategies for how to address them here on Your Game Plan for Retirement with Brian Caranta. And again, if you have questions, you're welcome to give a call 800-963-0131. That's 800-963-0131. And Brian, you do get a lot of calls and questions, and every so often we have somebody who has requested to address a specific question on air. And we've got an example of that coming up here. A nice young lady was listening to the program and heard us discussing a specific topic, and I will let her introduce the question. 
I was listening some time ago to an explanation you gave of ways to cover some types of medical and long-term care expenses without wasting all the money that it costs. I had my husband start listening recently, too. Can you explain this again so I can get him to understand how this might be something we should look into again? Yeah, you know, there's a number of different ways that you can do it, but I like to keep things really simple. I mean, you can go the traditional route of a long-term care policy. Certainly, there's advantages with that, but the disadvantage is that a lot of people just don't like the fact that it's a use it or lose it type of policy. So, you know, you pay for this policy. And of course, if you never get sick and and have to go into some type of nursing home facility and you die, all the money you paid into it is gone. I think the industry has done a really great job, though, with continuing to develop better and better products to help people protect themselves in this situation. And some of the newer products that are available on the market today are what we call a hybrid product. Now, this type of product is a product that is a long-term care slash death benefit product. So imagine you got a, bought a product, $500,000 death benefit, and you get sick and go into a nursing home. Well, if you get sick and go into a nursing home, that life insurance policy with a $500,000 death benefit will actually accelerate that death benefit to you in the form of payments for you to take care of the cost of, of any care that you're getting. Now, if you never get sick and you never need any type of care, the nice thing is, is that when you die, that $500,000 would pay out in the form of a tax-free death benefit to your family. So you know that the money that you're putting into it, you're going to uh, get something out of it, whether it be through the form of long-term care or the death benefit. And what I even like about it is that even if you go into a nursing home facility and you're only in there for one year and you only use a small portion of that $500,000, the remaining balance will pay out as a death benefit. So I really like them. Um, Again, you know, people have to qualify for those uh, programs. Uh, They have to go through a medical in order to be able to get it. But if you qualify and it's priced right, it can certainly be uh, an advantageous uh, product to have in your overall planning process. Well, we certainly appreciate when listeners call in, participate in the program, and ask those important questions. I think this is a great solution to explore, even if you have asked the question about how to address long-term care previously and have not had a satisfactory answer, maybe because you didn't like that use it or lose it quality or the cost you thought was too high. This is not a question that should be ignored. Give Brian Quaranta a call to see how you could implement this type of planning strategy that is not use it or lose it into your own personal game plan for retirement, 800-963-0131. That's 800-963-0131. And Brian, as we are talking about the big questions in planning on today's program, I think that maybe more than any other question, this question of having some type of long-term care or medical expense protection is the one that ultimately is maybe ignored more than any other question, even with people who have very very uh, stable plans or very well-developed financial plans, they may even still have ignored the question of how to address medical expenses, which leaves a big potential hole in their planning. Yeah, I mean, not preparing or protecting from a health event can be irresponsible planning because the cost of care right now uh, in Western Pennsylvania, according to Genworth, which is a very large insurance company, they've reported that the average cost for full skilled care in Western Pennsylvania is over $8,000 a month. So, you know, think about that. I mean, $8,000 a month, that can drain a very large portfolio very, very, very quickly if you spend a few years in a nursing home. And I don't think the industry itself has done a really good job in making it easy for people to address this issue. A lot of times, one, people just kind of like to kick the can down the road when it comes to this situation. But, you know, for the most part, What's happened is that long-term care policies, most people are exposed from a health event taking place because most long-term care policies, number one, you've got to qualify for them. And if you qualify for them, they could be pretty expensive to afford. So one, the first line of defense, in my opinion, is if you can afford a policy and it's priced right for your situation, I always encourage people to get it. And, you know, today you can buy these in in, in, in smaller 
amounts. I mean, it used to be that most people would get coverage for an entire lifetime, but according to AARP, the average stay in a nursing home is only about two to three years. So you can buy a policy that might only have two to three years worth of coverage, but at least you're subsidizing with something during that period of time and taking the overall pressure off of the dollars in your portfolio. Yeah, because that eight to $10,000 a month is on top of the regular ordinary expenses that you're already going to have, especially if you've got a, a spouse that uh, may not be in need of that care at that time and is still living their normal lifestyle. The, the regular bills are going to continue and then that expense for care is going to be on top of it. So it can drain down even a sizable portfolio pretty quickly if you do not have that type of protection, if you have not planned adequately. So ladies and gentlemen, find out about these alternatives that are not use it or lose it, that you will get some use out of the money. Brian Quaranta can talk to you about that and talk to you whether or not it's appropriate for your situation and how to implement it. 800-963-0131. That's 800-963-0131. And we have only touched the tip of the iceberg here on some of the big questions in planning and Brian Caranta is your resource to help answer and address those questions. Pick up the phone if you do have questions of your own, concerns that have been on your mind, or if you'd like more information on anything you hear on the program. 800-963-0131, the number to call. That's 800-963-0131. And Brian, we are now very excited to be joined by the former Comptroller General of the United States, Mr. David M. Walker, is joining us here on Your Game Plan for Retirement. Hey, David, we really appreciate you being on the program with us today, and thank you for being here. Well, thank you very much. David, it probably took a lot of hard work and dedication to obtain that high-level position, basically as the government accountability officer, as the comptroller general, and you made the hard decision to step down from that position. What led to that difficult decision? Well, when I became comptroller general of the United States and head of the government accountability office, I had three goals that I set for myself, uh, and I had accomplished two of the three goals uh, after about nine years, and I ultimately determined that I was not going to be able to accomplish the third goal in that position, and that third goal being being able to not just talk about the problem with regard to our nation's finances, but to be able to address sensible solutions that are nonpartisan in nature but should be able to gain bipartisan support. So that's why I left. What held you back from being able to achieve that goal? Was it simply the bipartisan support aspect of it, or was this goal more difficult to accomplish than you at first thought it would be? Well, when you're controller general and head of the GAO, your client is the Congress of the United States and then all of the American people. And the mission of the GAO is to support the Congress uh, to help improve performance and assure accountability. And the Congress generally does not want the GAO to be in the policy development business. So to the extent that you were going to be making specific recommendations about these are the type of tax reforms you need to consider, these are the types of reforms to social insurance programs, this is what you need to do in the area of defense spending, this is what you need to do in the area of government organization and operations, it crossed the line between what historically they wanted GAO to do and what I felt needed to be done. Hey, David, Brian Quaranta here. It sounds like you were being proactive in accomplishing at least two things in Washington. What would it have taken uh, to accomplish that third goal? Well, I got two of the three accomplished. The only one that I didn't get accomplished was to try to be able to have a meaningful down payment made on what it was going to take in order to be able to put our nation's finances in order. And that's where I felt you had to get into specific reforms, which the Congress didn't really want the Comptroller General to do. So I became the first CEO of the Peterson Foundation. Uh, after that, I ended up founding my own Comeback America initiative, and I proved that the American people were a lot smarter than the politicians realized. They can handle the truth. They're willing to accept tough choices, as long as they're part of a comprehensive and integrated plan that's designed to achieve a specific goal uh, and that they deem to be fair. So I proved that. Now what we need is the President and the Congress work together to operationalize it. 
So after your time as Comptroller General, you spent some time touring the country in those new initiatives. What was your hope for that time touring the country, meeting with the American people, and do you feel like you did make progress? There's no question that I did. I mean, basically, uh, in particular, uh, we did a $10 million a minute tour, which is how fast the unfunded obligations and debt was going up at the time, $10 million a minute, and we were able to engage the public and gain a supermajority support for a range of budget, Social Security, Medicare, Medicaid, health care, defense, tax, and other reforms that were designed to achieve a specific goal. And the whole point is, if you want to solve this problem, you can't do it with an inside-the-beltway solution. The president has to engage the people directly. The people then need to put pressure on their elected officials to be able to come up with solutions. Because the far right is going to have to compromise and the far left is going to have to compromise in order to get this job done. And only the president is elected by all the people. Hey, David, Brian again. Do you feel the ones in office now could be the ones that will actually address these problems? Well, so far, President Trump has talked about how do we increase economic growth and opportunity, and I'm all for that. And clearly there's a lot that can and should be done there through regulatory relief, tax reform, critical infrastructure investment, etc. Fair trade rather than just free trade. But that by itself is not going to get the job done. The president has not talked much about how do we eliminate waste in the Defense Department? How do we end up separating the wheat from the chaff between which government programs are working and which ones aren't? How do we reform Social Security and Medicare to make them solvent, sustainable, secure? while not busting the bank, and those are the things he's going to have to address. He has the opportunity, and hopefully he will take advantage of it. My sense is he's going to focus on the growth part first and then potentially address these other issues. How do you feel about the financial progress and awareness of this country to this point, and where do you see us heading moving forward? Well, our deficit started coming down, but our economic growth has been very slow. We're not going to be able to grow our way out of this problem. Debt as a percentage of the economy continues to grow. And while I agree that we need to grow the economy, create more job opportunities, we're also going to have to end up reforming health care, social insurance programs, defense spending, and other areas. And what I haven't seen is much talk about that. Growth is certainly a concern in a larger economy, but those programs are what affects each person more individually. What should the average person be concerned about with their financial future? Look, the fact of the matter is the federal government's grown too big, promised too much, and it's going to have to restructure. If we can get the economy growing faster, that will help. But tough choices are going to have to be made with regard to spending, including social insurance programs. People need to understand that eventually those reforms will be made. They're likely to live longer than they expect. They're likely to have to pay more for health care than they expect. So they need to plan, save, invest, preserve, uh, try to get out of debt as soon as they can so that they can have the flexibility to be able to deal with the kinds of changes that ultimately are going to have to happen. You mentioned restructuring some of the programs in the government. What do you feel the future of those government-sponsored entitlement programs such as Social Security, Medicaid, and Medicare look like as we move into our future? Well, first, Social Security is arguably the most important and clearly the most popular federal program. It is underfunded by about $11 trillion. When the so-called trust fund goes to zero in, you know, frankly, less than 20 years from now, it's still got about 78 cents in revenue for every dollar of promised benefits. So it's not like it's going to have no money. But we need to reform it now to try to be able to make it solvent, sustainable, secure, indefinitely. People may have to work somewhat longer. They may, not, they may get somewhat a different amount than they think they're going to get, but they're going to get something. The real changes are going to be in the health care area. The government has way over-promised health care. Medicare is underfunded about $30 trillion in current dollar terms. Its trust fund is going to run out quicker than Social Security, and obviously we have to end up deciding what are we going to do about the Affordable Care Act. So the biggest changes are going to come in the health care area and people better understand that they're likely to have to pay more for health care than they expected. David, Brian again, 
what fiscal policies or personal financial options do we have to overcome uh, some of the concerns we have with the benefit and entitlement programs? Well, you have to plan, save, invest, preserve. When you get closer to retirement, look at your investment strategy or asset allocation to make sure that you don't have as much volatility. And when you get to the point of retirement, you need to think about how do you want to convert your savings? Uh, do you want to consider annuities as an option, which protect you against uh, longer life expectancy than you expected? Uh, you know, myself, you know, I've gotten out of debt. I've got a significant amount in an IRA. Uh, I've got several life annuities, two of which are indexed for inflation or other factors. And so I think I'm in good shape. But, you know, that didn't just happen overnight. I had to contemplate that and take steps over many years in order to put myself in the position uh, that I am today. And others need to do the same. Well, Dave, as you have taken a look very closely at our economy and on some level controlled much of our government accountability, you sound like you have taken steps personally to safeguard and insulate yourself in some manners to make sure that your financial future is sound. That's an approach that you suggest to others also learn more about and evaluate for themselves? Absolutely. I'm not worried about myself. I'm not real worried about my kids, but I'm very concerned for my grandkids' future. Uh, and that's one of the reasons that I'm still engaged in this fight to try to be able to put our finances in order, uh, because I think what's going on now is irresponsible, it's unethical, it's immoral. We're burdening the future of our children and grandchildren when they're going to have a lot tougher competition uh, in an increasingly competitive and global economy. Uh, that's not the right thing to do. And I'm going to do what I can to change that. What do you think when you hear politicians promising to cut or not raise taxes into the future? Well, nobody likes to pay higher taxes, especially if they don't think they're getting a good deal with regard to the taxes they're already paying. Uh, and there's no question that we can generate additional revenue through more economic growth. Most of the changes we're going to have to make are going to come on the spending side. But I believe that in time, we're going to have to end up getting more tax revenue as a percentage of the economy than we have historically. So there will be somewhat higher tax burdens over time, but the bigger changes are going to take place on the spending side, as they should. David, what is your opinion of the method that the majority of Americans are saving for their financial future by deferring, delaying, and postponing paying tax inside of their retirement accounts? Do you think that that is a wise approach or something that we should think twice about? Well, for sure, I think you need to save and invest for the future. Reasonable people can and will differ on whether or not you ought to do it through, for example, a Roth IRA or a regular IRA. The difference being is when do you pay taxes? Obviously, all, most all Americans are covered by Social Security, which is the foundation of retirement security. Many Americans are included in employer-sponsored plans, like 401k plans, and, and so those are already set up. You, know, you need to take advantage of those to the maximum extent possible, at least to the employer match. So the real decision is, what, if anything, do you beyond that with regard to an IRA and do you want to do it through a Roth or through a regular IRA? And you can obviously talk to your people about the tax differences there. Well, David, we certainly appreciate your time, both in serving as Comptroller General of the United States and in joining us here on the program, and all of your efforts after you stepped down from that position to help the American public become more aware of the fiscal situation that we are truly in. Thank you for joining us, and thank you for all of your efforts. Well, thank you very much for the opportunity. I'm I'm still in the fight from a different position on the battlefield. <laughs> well, we will uh, cheer for you and all your efforts. Thank you for being here once again. Take care. Bye-bye. Brian, that was an excellent interview with Mr. Walker. Of course, inside insight on what is going on in the federal government and how our economy functions. And he talked about some of the very same models that we have discussed here on the program that he is personally using. We've talked about how to implement that into each and everybody's situation to build for and achieve financial and retirement stability and security. It's great to hear that David M. Walker is using those same strategies. Well, yeah, I mean, these are the strategies that retirees need to be using. People just need to get over the fact that the Wall Street model is flawed. The asset allocation model is flawed. 
The grand experiment in our country right now is the fact that all of the pensions have been taken away from people and they've been replaced with uh, retirement accounts like 401ks, 403bs, 457 plans. And if we logically think about that, what really has taken place here? They have basically taken the dollars that were once guaranteed to us and have directed those to Wall Street and now have said, look, you're on your own now to figure out how you're going to build income for the rest of your life. People need to realize that this is not about having an investment plan. It's about having a retirement plan. A retirement plan needs to include a source that's going to provide you with guaranteed income for the rest of your life. It's just the prudent way to plan today. It's certainly one of the big questions of do I have enough money or am I going to run out of money? This strategy that David Walker just described he is implementing and that we've talked about many times here on the program is the way to address that question and concern. One of the biggest questions for financial and retirement planning. And Brian Coranta offers you the ability to come in, discuss how to implement this strategy for your own retirement success, security, peace of mind, and confidence. And if you have questions or concerns and would like to find out more about how to build that into your plan, pick up the phone, give Brian a call, 800-963-0131. That's 800-963-0131. We have to take another quick break, so it's an excellent opportunity for you to place that call. We'll be right back with more with Brian right after this. And we're back here on Your Game Plan for Retirement, the weekly show that discusses some of the challenges that we see in today's economy and provides the solutions to help today's savers and investors overcome those challenges and achieve your financial and retirement goals. Pick up the phone and give Brian Coranta a call if you have questions. He is our resource here on the program for a common sense approach to planning for a more secure financial future. And Pittsburgh, he is your local resource. If you have questions or concerns or would like more information on anything you hear here on the program. He's just a phone call away. 800-963-0131. That's 800-963-0131. We were joined a little earlier in the program by Mr. David M. Walker discussing some of the big challenges that we have in our economy. And we are talking today on the program about the big questions that we have in our personal financial and retirement planning. And Brian, we have talked about long-term care. We spoke a little bit uh, after David Walker's interview about planning for income. I think another one of the big questions that people have that maybe goes unasked or unaddressed is the question of compensation. Do you find that a lot of people really are aware of how much their advisor is making or how much their investments are costing them? No, I think people are very unaware of the fees that they're paying and they should understand how the models work out there for compensation. Brian, we've heard about some of these different models for compensation. What are they? How do they work? And what are the pros and cons of maybe each one? You're either going to work with a fee-based advisor or a commission-based advisor. And here, here's how I kind of explain it to folks when they come to my office. You know, think about it as two separate buckets of money. And so let's say we were doing some type of investment plan. This would involve you purchasing mutual funds, stocks, bonds, things along those lines. You could have an advisor that has a commission-based model. When he purchases a mutual fund for you, he gets paid an upfront commission to do that. And maybe he won't charge you an ongoing fee. Now, that used, that's the old way of doing it. The new way of doing it is where they're not going to charge you an upfront commission to purchase a mutual fund, but they are going to charge you an ongoing management fee, which depending on how much money you plan on giving to the advisor will determine the sliding scale in which they charge you um, uh, their fee. On the other hand, if you're working with things like life insurance, annuities, auto insurance, homeowners insurance, those are all compensation products, meaning they're commission-based products. It doesn't matter who you purchase it through. If somebody's buying you an annuity or they're buying you a life insurance policy or homeowners or auto insurance, those people are going to get a commission for doing that, a one-time commission. But Brian, when that occurs, there is a compensation to that individual for basically shopping the marketplace and finding you the most cost-effective product to fill a need that you have. Whereas with the fee base, with 
the mutual fund, for instance, whether that's an upfront commission or an ongoing fee for management, that advisor is going to make money whether your performance is is good or poor and potentially based on how long you are in that particular investment may determine ultimately how much money they're going to make off of that if it's an ongoing fee, correct? The only person, in, in other words, guaranteed to make money is the advisor. Well, of course, under a fee-based model, it doesn't matter whether the advisor makes you money or loses your money. He's always getting paid his fee. I mean, what skin in the game do they have if they get paid regardless of their performance. And hopefully we'll see a change with this in the future. I mean, I think I heard something about Charles Schwab finally getting on board with, if we don't make you money over two consecutive quarters, you know, we won't charge you a fee or something along those lines. But, you know, this is where the whole hang in there, don't worry about it, you're in it for the long haul comes in because, you know, if an advisor cashes you out of the market and puts you in the cash, my understanding generally is that they can't charge you a fee on what's in cash. So, you know, they don't really care whether the markets are up or down because they're going to get their 1% regardless. So why is it that people don't know what they're being charged for their investments or the advice that they're receiving? And how can they find out? Well, I think you just have to flat out ask. You shouldn't be concerned about asking your advisor how much are you going to be charging me? So not only would you have a management fee, but you should also be asking about any fees that might exist within the investments themselves that they're purchasing. And people should ask that question because at the end of the day, you deserve to know exactly what you're paying because remember, fees will reduce your gains and compound your losses. Well, let's just say that you're paying an advisor 2% the time you add up all the fees between what they're charging you in a management fee and maybe some internal fees that the the actual mutual funds that they're purchasing might charge you. Let's just say on average it's 2%. So the market goes up, it goes up 10%, and they deduct their fee. What's your real rate of return? Your real rate of return is 8%. But now if the market goes down 10%, they're not going to refund you that fee. So now you're down 12%. So fees reduce your gains and they compound your losses. You're not getting 100% of the growth, but in that example that I gave, right? I mean, you're you're only getting roughly 80% of the gain, but you're willing to accept 120% of the losses. So I think it's a model that's flawed. It's a, it's a model, you know, I, I couldn't imagine having somebody come to my home and do work for me and not do a good job or not finish that project Uh, or not deliver what they promised and still get paid for that job. An advisor under a fee-based model could be doing a terrible job for you, but still be deducting a fee from from your account. Well, Brian, in previous programs, we've talked about the rules of construction for your financial blueprint. And if anybody's built a home, they would know uh, or even had a, a, a project done in the home. Before you get that project done, you get an estimate for what the builder or contractor uh, imagines the final cost is going to be. And there in your office, you provide that free estimate for folks with that complimentary financial review that you offer, correct? Correct. Anytime we do a, a complimentary review, we go over in detail what they could expect to be paying. Now, because we focus primarily on income products, we fall under that compensation model from the companies. So when we search the markets and we find the best companies to solve the problem that we're trying to solve for, we don't set those compensation. The companies do. We don't care what company we work with as long as that company is going to solve your problem and as long as that company is a good, big, strong, safe company, they set the compensations, we don't. Well, if you would like to have that complimentary financial and retirement review, ladies and gentlemen, pick up the phone, give Brian Quaranta a call at 800-963-0131. Again, that's 800-963-0131. And Brian, you can help somebody dig through their portfolio and pretty much figure out what they are paying in fees. And there are a lot of people out there who have probably asked, but don't feel like they've gotten a straight answer on fees before. You can help them get the real answers. Oh, absolutely. And you know, what's interesting about fees, if you look at just the mutual fund market in general, or just even some of the advisory firms that are out there, you know, the way that I've explained it to people is you could have mutual fund A and mutual fund A could consist of a number of different stocks that it's buying. And that mutual fund could be charging you two, two and a half percent. 
And then you can go to a completely different mutual fund company and you could buy that same mutual fund, a mirror image, a mirror image of that fund, but be buying it from a low cost, no load place and be paying half a percent on that. Right. Same mutual fund, completely different fee structure. And the way you should look at this is if you've ever walked into the gas station or a local convenience store and bought a bottle of Aquafina water. Right. I drink a ton of water. So you walk into the gas station or the convenience store and you, you buy a bottle of Aquafina water. And typically that bottle of Aquafina, I can usually find it a dollar or a dollar forty. Now. If I go down to the Pirates Stadium or I go down to the to watch the Steelers play and I buy that same bottle of Aquafina, how much does it cost there? About six dollars. Yeah. Same bottle of water, same bottle of water, same manufacturer, but it's just the place that you're purchasing it at that you're paying a premium. Well, I thought about this often. I remember several years ago when gas was up at four dollars a gallon and how enraged people were about that. Yet I would walk into the gas station and buy that bottle of water and got to thinking about it for the 20 ounces of water i was effectively paying more than i did for the gallon of gasoline water actually one of the most expensive liquids that you can buy but we're talking about fees on financial products here and you need to understand what you're paying because that difference in prices from place to place can make a huge difference and if you can control your fees better you get to keep more of your money i once heard an illustration of this brian that if a plane took off from lax destined for New York and was just one degree off on their path, by the time they got to the East Coast, they'd actually be in Washington, D.C. And that's the kind of difference that reducing just 1% off of your fees could make. It's a large difference once you get to your destination after you've gone through some time. If you're overpaying in fees year in and year out, you're going to have a lot less money working for you, compounding, growing to ultimately provide for your retirement security. So you need to know what you are paying in fees, ladies and gentlemen. And if you think you know, or you've asked the question and don't feel like you've gotten a straight answer, Brian Caranta can provide you with that forensic fee analysis to uncover exactly what you're paying for the investments that you are in and the advice that you are receiving to make sure that you're getting what you're paying for. Give them a call, 800-963-0131, 800-963-0131. Brian, do you find that most people are unaware of the fees or have never had that type of fee analysis? Yeah, you know, and when we do a fee analysis, I mean, it's really eye-opening for a lot of people. They realize how much they're really paying. And when we make them realize how much they're really paying, you know, obviously a lot of them are, are very discouraged with the fact that they've never had this transparent conversation with their advisor. But, you know, I mean, just think about it. Let's say you've got a million dollar portfolio and you're paying that advisor 2% a year. I mean, you're paying them $20,000 a year just to manage your portfolio. Let's say you were just able to reduce that fee by half to a more reasonable amount of, let's say, 1%. Now you're paying $10,000 a year. That means over the next 10 years, right, you're going to save over $100,000. All that money is going to be in your account now, compounding year after year. So you really... Are, are affecting the overall performance of your portfolio when you're paying too much in fees. Yeah, not just the fee, but the growth that that fee has also cost you That's is right. the negative effect. So, ladies and gentlemen, you That's need right. to find out what your fees are costing you. Have that forensic fee analysis performed. Brian Caranta can help you with that. 800-963-0131 to take him up on this valuable offer. Similar reviews can be valued at $500 to $1,000. Brian Caranta offers that to you at no cost. 800-963-0131. And Brian, we are talking about, on today's program, the big questions in planning. Some of those questions that go unanswered or that we all have. And I think maybe the most common and prevalent question that we need an answer to is, am I ready to retire or how can I prevent running out of money once I do? And this is a question that you help people have confidence in answering each and every day in your office, isn't it? Uh, absolutely. And, you know, there are a lot of important numbers to be aware of when it comes to retirement planning. But what I want to share with people is that the number one number that I argue is more important than any other number for a retiree 
In fact, if you don't know this number, I would say it's nearly impossible to set up a reliable income plan. And here's the number. The number is what's really the minimum rate of return you need on your portfolio to guarantee you won't run out of money. You see, if you've saved enough money up to this point and you've accumulated your dollars, right? We see all the marketing out there. You've accumulated your nest egg. They like to illustrate that with a nice little nest and golden eggs in it. We see that often. But the question is this, do you still have to take risk with that money? If you could get through retirement by just receiving a 1% rate of return, a 2% rate of return, a 3% rate of return, why in the world would you take risk with your life savings? This is not a dress rehearsal. We do not get a second chance at this. This is not the time to make a mistake. If you go back to just even people that retired in 2006, a lot of those people had to go back to work because when 2007, 2008 came around, they lost half of their money and they couldn't afford to stay in retirement. So the question really is, what rate of return do you need to achieve in order for you to have a great retirement and not run out of money? And I'm going to tell you that if you can build your retirement plan off of a guarantee of 2% or 3% and you're going to have plenty of money, be able to keep pace with inflation, why in the world would you roll the dice and take risk with your dollars? That's the number people should be focused on. Wall Street likes us to believe that the reason why we need to stay invested with our dollars is because we need to keep pace with inflation. Well, let's just logically think about that for a moment. Take the guy that did retire in 2006. His advisor tells him, look, you've got to stay invested in the market because it's the only way that you're going to be able to keep pace with inflation. And now he's got $500,000. And in 2007, 2008, his $500,000 goes down to 250000 how does his inflation plan look now? He would have been better off with a guarantee of 2 or 3%. That's when the nest so, egg was Humpty Dumpty and fell off the wall and uh, couldn't be put back together again. That's right. That's right. And these people have irreversible damage. And a lot of them will never be able to enter back into retirement. The other thing is, is that people tend to be confused on what their real rate of return is. I'll talk to people and I'll say, did you lose any money in 2008? And they'll say, you know, we lost some money, but it really wasn't that bad. We kind of stayed a little bit level. Well, of course you did. You were working. You were contributing dollars to your 401k. Your employer was contributing dollars to your 401k. You had contributions offsetting the losses. So a lot of people are very unaware of what their real rate of return is. Because they're not taking in, into account the contributions that they're making are helping either offset the losses or helping the growth of the portfolio look better than what it is. That's a great point that when we're adding new money to those accounts, it's tough to determine our real rate of return. And even when the market does go down, if we're adding money in, that's actually an opportunity. They call it dollar cost averaging. It works in our favor over time because we're buying things on sale. But Brian, when the paycheck stops, when we stop contributing to that account, and instead we are reversing the flow of money and pulling it out, it's going to have the opposite effect and compound our losses. Reverse dollar cost averaging works just as much to our detriment as dollar cost averaging worked in our favor when money was going in. We're doing the exact opposite behavior, but expecting the same results. That's just as insane as the other definition. Yeah, you know, and we got to remember, we are investing without knowing. Most people are investing without knowing what it will take to be sure our money will last as long as we do. Wouldn't it be nice to know this on the front end, right? I mean, think about it. As I said before, if your number one concern is running out of money and you only need a 1% return to make sure your money lasts, would you invest differently than if you needed a 6% rate of return? Of course. So rather than focusing on that big number floating over our head in the commercials, maybe we need to focus on the rate of cash flow, the rate of growth that we need in order to generate the income that we need to make retirement more stable and secure and answer this big question of how to prevent running out of money. I mean, that's the number one question you ask to have to ask yourself is what rate of return do you need on your investments to generate the income that you need in order to live the lifestyle that you want to live in retirement. You know, when people come to our office, we do a full retirement income analysis for everybody we see. And when you come in, we will identify the minimum return you need on your portfolio. We will also address 
the what if scenarios. What if my wife dies? What if my husband dies and I have a loss of income? What if the stock market crashes like it did in 2008? You know, how would that affect your income? And Brian, with that being a legitimate concern in our economy, we have seen volatility. Do you think that right now with the market making the recovery that it has and hovering around all-time highs is a good time for people to really evaluate this for their situation? If you read any investment journal out there or any investment book, what do they tell us? When the market goes up, what do they tell us to do? Sell, right? Buy, buy when, low, sell high. <laughs> that's right. And when the market goes down, they, they tell us to buy. Unfortunately, most people do the opposite, and that's because we're driven by two primary emotions, greed and fear, right? When we see the markets doing what they're doing right now, we think they're just going to continue to go up and go up and go up and go up, and all of a sudden, they go down again, right? And what's interesting about human behavior is go back to all the way to 2000 when the market started to go down and then all of a sudden in 2001 we have 9/11 and all of a sudden your $100,000 became, you know, $70,000 over that time period. You know, I can remember talking to people and they would say, you know, when I get this money back, I'm never going to do this to myself again. And then over the next few years the market started to come back and and their 70,000 went to 80,000 and 90,000 and all of a sudden they're back to where they are but the markets are going well. We were so far from that pain point where we were at before, where we promised ourselves that as soon as we got this money back, we would never do this to ourselves again. But now we've seen our, our, our accounts go up and now we shift over to a brand new emotion and that emotion is called greed. We think it's gonna continue to go and go and go. And unfortunately, we do the same thing again. We stay in there, we hang in there, and we never capture our gains. And then what happened? 2007, 2008, took it all back again. And then we promised ourselves for a second time, I can't believe I did this to myself again. I'm never going to do this to myself again. And finally, look at where the markets are back, all-time record highs. And most people are sitting there looking at their statements in awe, thinking about all the money that they're making, but not thinking about the potential next correction that's coming. And we do that same thing over and over and over again, and we expect a different result. And we all know that that's the definition of insanity. Well, when the market's going up, I think people are out there hungry to make money. They're looking for opportunities. But really, right now, might be an opportunity for you to assess and address unnecessary risk in your portfolio and take some money off the table. That might be the best opportunity to take advantage of when the markets have appreciated and are at highs. And certainly when one angry tweet could uh, cause some additional volatility that nobody could foresee nor react quickly enough to prevent the losses. So let's make sure that we are addressing this concern and understand the amount of risk that we are taking. That's right. Because Peter, remember the whole goal when we started saving for retirement was to build up a sum of money for retirement. Once we retire though, we have to take a completely different approach, right? We have to think about it as we no longer are earning money. We are going to go into a distribution phase. So we need to treat the dollars differently moving into retirement than we did when we were working and accumulating. Just a couple minutes left, and we still have a bunch of the big questions, but I think one that I'd like to cover here in our last couple minutes, Brian, is what to do about Social Security. It seems like there's a lot of noise out there when it comes to the choices and options that we have, and I know there are a lot of them. How do we sort through the noise about Social Security? You know, I think I read somewhere or heard somewhere that there's like 260 seven different ways that you can take social security. And, you know, every week, if you're in that retirement age of 55 or older, you probably are getting some type of postcard in the mail inviting you to a free dinner to talk to you about social security planning. So if you're planning on retiring, in my opinion, it's best for you to take it at 62. If you're planning on retiring, I mean, if you're going to still continue to work, probably not a good idea because you could, your social security could be penalized. But if, if you're retiring, uh, in my opinion, you collect it as soon as you retire because it takes a lot of pressure off of the, of the retirement assets, which means that you don't have to withdraw more money out of your retirement plans. Social security does the majority of the subsidizing for you for the income that you're going to need on an annual basis. But it's still something that needs to be incorporated into your larger game plan for retirement and a discussion of how to create income from your personal assets needs to be coordinated with the discussion of social security, correct? 
Absolutely. We find the answers to all of these questions when we meet. It's like hooking your plan up to an EKG and then cranking to 10 so we can find all the important details and see if your plan is vulnerable to things like this. This information is crucial in my opinion, to be confident with your retirement planning. Well, if you would like to come in and speak with Brian Quaranta on an individual, personal, and complimentary basis to review and evaluate your game plan for retirement and have an income plan for retirement designed for you so you can see how that income will be created sustainably so you can have confidence in your ability to not run out of money at any point throughout retirement, pick up the phone, give Brian Quaranta a call at 800-963-0131. He'll incorporate many of these big questions into the discussion, helping you review and evaluate the fees that you are paying, the taxes that you may be liable for now and into the future, the amount of risk that you may be taking with your portfolio, and how, where appropriate to reduce or minimize or even eliminate some of those where morally, legally, ethically possible, or where appropriate for your situation. And he will custom design for you an income plan for retirement, including personal assets, the decision on Social Security, so that you can answer and address the big question of, am I ready to retire? Or if you're already retired, am I doing the right things to make my retirement last? Pick up the phone, give Brian Quaranta a call, 800-963-0131. That's 800-963-0131. It's an excellent opportunity for you to do that today. Procrastination is the biggest enemy of progress, time our most valuable asset. And Brian, we always appreciate your time here on the program discussing your game plan for retirement. Always good being with you. Always good having you, Brian. And I know that Brian looks forward to hearing from you soon. If you have questions or concerns or would like more information or the opportunity to review and evaluate your game plan for retirement. And we look forward to talking with you next week. The information presented on this program is provided for informational purposes only without warranty of accuracy, completeness, or suitability for particular purpose. This program is not intended to be and does not constitute financial, investment, legal, or tax advice. This information is general in nature, not specific enough to be construed as advice. You should not make any decision based on the information presented on this program without independent consultation with an appropriately licensed professional or competent advisor. Investment in securities or the market involves a potential risk for loss of principal. Trading, therefore, may not be suitable for all listeners. Annuity guarantees are based solely on the financial strength and claims-paying ability of the issuing company. Withdrawals of growth from annuities may be taxable as ordinary income in the year it is taken. Individuals should review contracts for specific details of the product's features and costs.